We're going to continue this week. Um, this is the, uh, Next week is going to be the last week in this series. At the end of service, we're going to pray over our teachers and our our teachers and our children as they get ready to go back to school. I mean, know that's important. Amen. Uh, pray for the excitement for some parents as they get ready to send their kids back to school that they don't show it as much. Kids might get a little conflict behind it. Amen. Uh, but we're going to pray for them and, and also um, uh, pr- make sure we explain promotion and what that means for our fifth graders. But we're going to talk about the games kids play. Somebody say the games kids play. Last week we found out how operation, the game of operation, has transitioned into our Christian walk. And I don't know about you, but I'm still so thankful what God did last week in this house. I I have not got over it. You say, Pastor, it's a new week. I understand that God can do new things and He will do new things, but I'm not going to fail to give Him glory for what He's done. Amen. I don't want to take it for granted. I I was talking to someone this week, and uh, they live out of town, and they watch our services um, on a a weekly basis online. And they said this. They they said, I miss being in a place where that presence of God is there. It's not common. God, help us not take it common. Help us not. You say, well, pastor, is that going to be every service? The presence of God wants to fill the place. The, the uh, praise, God inhabits the praise of his people. It's not whether God wants to, it's whether we open up for God too. I say, God, do it, whatever you want to do, amen? God, move in this house. And so this week, though, we're going to move away from the board games. We talked about hungry, hungry hippos. We talked about operation last week. We're going to move away from the board games. We're going to go to some early electronics. Early. In October of 1980, how many remember 1980? Some of y'all are lying, or your shoulders aren't working because your hands didn't raise. October of 1980, there was a game released, and everyone before it was released said it would be a flop, that it wouldn't make it, that it was going to fail. It all had to do with this little circle guy with a mouth that was chasing dots and ghosts. Anybody remember the game Pac-Man? I'm going to be honest, that game didn't flop. It did okay. Still doing okay. Later on, we found out Pac-Man was married. Had a wife. Great sidekick. She also knew how to make money because she released her own game called Miss Pac-Man. And we are going to talk this morning a little bit about Pac-Man but more importantly, about the truths from the game that we can bring into our lives from Pac-Man. Is that all right? You say, well, Pastor, Pastor, why, why in the world would you use something silly to get our attention? I don't know, but that's how God works with me. I'm a simple person, and I have to have things that I can relate things to. And this is the way God speaks to me and uses me. So if you don't like it, I won't be preaching on board games uh, for after next week if you don't like it though don't show up next week because next week is going to be listen next week I'm going to tell you just a preview next week is going to be about the gift the first gift my wife got me when we got married 
the first gift, and you don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Let's get into it today. The games kids play. Colossians chapter 6, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Colossians chapter chapter 2, verses 6 through 10 says this, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Somebody say, follow him. Not lead him, follow him. Follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. That's saying if you're overflowing with thankfulness, you can't be a grouch. Don't nudge your neighbor. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies of high-sounding nonsense that come from the human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ, somebody say, in Christ, lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, for the work that you long to do in this house. Father, I pray that you would arrest hearts and minds and ears to hear today by the power of your spirit. God, I know I'm nothing without you. So Lord, let your words come from my mouth and reach the intended point and purpose. My job is to glorify you, God. You do the work. Let me be a vessel that works through you, that you work through. Father, we're going to thank you. We're going to give you praise for what you're going to do in this house. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor. Real quick, do this for me. Can you help me this morning? Hold on. Nobody said yes. Can somebody help me this morning? All right, good. Take your arms like this. Oh, you guys did it twice. I did it once. So we got to follow the rules better. Got to follow the rules a little bit better. Okay. We'll try it again. Take your arms. Like this. Open them up. Close them. I did not clap. You guys, so far, are 0 for 2. Some of y'all are struggling. We're going to try one more time. Sorry, right, some of you some of you are like, I don't know if I should. Okay, one more time. Okay, say Pac-Man. All right, we're going to talk about Pac-Man this morning. Hungry, hungry hippos in operation. We talked about some things through the through the word that that didn't help us in our walk with Christ. Some things that God desired to change. And this morning, I believe God is going to use some of the things through the game, and more importantly, through his word, to encourage us in the house today. Anybody want to be encouraged? Amen. Amen. Pac-Man, the game always started centered. Pac-Man started in the center, and then you had to go around. Anybody, anybody, hold on, anybody remember the game Pac-Man? All right, there's five people in the house. Great. That's going to be a, go home and play it. Get your Atari out. 
Listen, if y'all got an Atari, you probably got more money in it than just sitting in your closet. No matter what level, no matter what version, no matter what happened, the game always started in the center. And the first point I want to share with you this morning is this. Our lives must be Christ-centered. Somebody say Christ-centered. Jesus must be the center of our lives. As believers, if we allow anything or anyone else to take over the center spot in our lives, we're going to be out of balance. I'm going to just ask, you don't have to raise your hand this morning. Has anybody ever been out of balance before? Our center, our core, who we are, must be about Jesus. If it's not, we need recalibrated. If the game... Pac-Man, if he started in a corner, that would indicate something was wrong with the game. And when our lives are not Christ-centered, that must mean something's wrong with what's going on the inside of us. You say, well, pastor, I come to church. That doesn't mean you're Christ-centered. Does it help you get centered? Absolutely. But I've said this before and I'll say it again. Going to a barn does not make you a cow. Neither does going to church make you a Christian. Does it help you in your walk with Christ? Absolutely. Does the Bible say we should assemble together? Absolutely. Is it good for us to join in community? A hundred percent. But it does not mean you're Christ-centered. How many, how many in the house? I'm going to ask a few questions. How many in the house have a job? Okay. How many of you may be soon going to school? A couple of you, a few of you. How many have errands to run? Yeah. How many have families that need things? Yeah. We all have these things that are going in our lives, that are happening in our lives, that we need to do. Working is a good thing. Going to school, in spite of how you may feel right now, is going to be a good thing. Family's a good thing. We've got to run errands. We've got to do things. But when our activities take the center position in our life, we'll find ourselves in trouble. And I want to be very clear. People act like that all of a sudden things uh, uh, change and all of a sudden you're out of balance. What I found is this. It may not show as much of an issue right away, but over time you'll find it. If you have a tire that's out of balance on your car, for a little bit you may feel a little bit of a wobble. And you'll drive through it and it'll be fine. You think it's fine, it's just a little bit of a bump. And you may not even notice it. But after a little while, if somebody looks at your tire, there's an edge that's worn all the way down and it becomes unsafe. When we become uncentered with Christ in our life, it's an unsafe situation. And many times we don't realize it. Our lives must be Christ-centered. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus is the source. Somebody say the source. Not a source, the source. There's a difference. Many of us look at our jobs as a source. It is not a source. Jesus is the source. The job is how God gets it to us. Jesus is the source, not one of many sources. He's the source. He's the source. He's not just the source when I have a need. 
somebody understand we can't treat Jesus like a vending machine, like a blessing genie. Oh, I need a bill paid. I'm going to go pray for a minute, and I'm going to hit E3. That's the electric bill. It's not the way it works. But it's, it's unfortunately how many respond and how they treat and how they act. He desires to be the only source in our life. I'm reminded of the old song, um, the Hamp Wootens. I love to hear Hamp Wootens. Anybody remember the Wootens? Anybody remember? Some of you don't even know who they are, man. Oh, I love Ham Putin singing. I, I still do. If, if I, I'll, I had a, a video or a CD a video, yeah. I seen somebody with like a camcorder the other day, one of them big things. I was like, wow. You pulled out the VHS tape. I'm like, that's an antique. But I had a CD, and some of you know what a CD is. Some of you don't. But I'll listen to him sing, I can't even walk. Without you holding my hand. Can't even walk without you holding my hand. And talking about the Lord. If he's not Lord of all of our life, he will not be Lord of any of our life. I, I got to tell you this morning, and I, I know you say, well, Pastor, this is supposed to be encouraging. I'm trying to encourage, and I promise we're getting there. But I want to tell you this morning that if you want God to have your life, he wants it all. He doesn't want just a part. Who you are, your core, must be Christ-centered. A Christ-centered life means this, that my goal is to give God glory in all that I do. When I go to my job, I'm there to work, but I'm going to give God glory. When I go to Walmart or Kroger in St. Mary's yesterday at the bad time, anybody know what the bad time means? Yeah, you go through and there's like everybody and their brother and their mother in there. It's like, what are y'all doing here? It's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. When all them people are cutting you off and coming out of the aisles and you're stopping and you're like, you don't understand how this works, do you? And you go through the aisle. You're, 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 giving, you're supposed to give God glory. Our job, our responsibility is to be purpose-pleasing. Whose purpose? God's purpose in our lives. That's our goal and that's our desire. That's God's plan is that we are purpose-pleasing, not people-pleasing. If it comes to the point where somebody looks at me and says, Pastor, if you don't start making people happier, you're out of here. The U-Haul is packed. Please understand, my job is to fulfill the purpose that God has in my life. Now, I love you, and I want to love on you, and I want to make you smile. But the purpose is that I make God happy, and I please him. And when I do that, that's who I answer to. Now. Being in Salina, I found out that you have to go about 45 miles before you ever find a U-Haul place. But, just kidding. So our life must be Christ-centered. Somebody say Christ-centered. That's the first point, Christ-centered. The higher the level we go in Pac-Man, the higher the levels, the more aggressive, inky and blinky, and the other ghosts come. They become more aggressive. And this morning, the longer we walk with the Lord, the closer we get 
to him. Brings the second point. The higher the levels, the brings more devils. I want to be clear this morning, though. I want to, I want to make sure we understand this. When we are walking with Christ, we are not trying to attain a certain level to receive a certain reward. I remember as I was growing up, people would say, well, well, you're a, you're a, 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 a children's pastor. What do you want to be next? I don't know. I'm good hanging out with kids and they're flipping boogers and stuff. I'm good with that. I, I enjoyed that season. I didn't try to turn into something. I just said, God, use me. And when he said, you, when I let him use me, we began to grow. And when I began to grow, well, here we are, still teaching kids. In fact, as we grow in Christ, at least as I've grown in him, my desire has never been to attain a certain level or attain a certain reward. My desire, the closer I get to him, is understand how truly unworthy I really am. And my desire becomes less about showing God what I've done and more about laying everything at his feet saying, God, thank you. I didn't deserve your grace and your mercy. The more we serve Jesus, the more we try to do for the kingdom, the closer we get to him, it will cause the enemy to become more aggressive in our lives. Somebody say more aggressive. I, I want to be honest this morning. Not that I'm not every Sunday morning and every day through the week too. But it's not always easy following Jesus. I promise you when you get saved, maybe you have the misconception that when you got saved all your problems went away. I, I want to challenge that and tell you that more problems are coming. It's not always sunshine, rainbows, and flowers. It's not always easy. It's not always smiling. It's not always joyful. I got to be honest, there's not always days that I look forward to getting up and sharing God's word with you. Sometimes it's hard. Not because the word I'm preaching, because I'm human. I heard someone talking yesterday. I'm not going to mention their name. And they said this, they said, boy, ministry is hard. And they weren't talking about pulpit ministry. They were talking about ministry in general. I said, absolutely, it's hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Understand this morning, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's not always beautiful and easy to follow Jesus, but it is always right. Always right. I heard somebody say this, and I took it from them. I'm going to use it on Wednesday night as well. There's never a wrong time to do the right thing. There's never a wrong time to follow Jesus. I've heard people say this. Right after they receive a great blessing or a great victory in their life, they say this. Oh, get ready. Be careful. Because you know Tests and something bad's coming. I think that's dumb. You say, well, pastor, you just ain't been around long enough. No, I've been around a little bit. 
I understand there's joys and sorrows. I understand there's highs and lows and there's victories and there's battles. And I understand there's mountaintops and there's valleys. I understand all that. But I also understand that the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. I am blessed by God. Hear me. I am blessed by God because I'm following him. If I went, and I almost did this, but I, I thought I, I might bother a little kid. If I went, and we, we got some candy bars. You're welcome for all the kids in the back. We got a big chocolate Hershey bar for them. There's almost one short at my house this morning, but I, I fought the devil, and I won. Didn't eat that thing. But if I, if I took one of those chocolate bars, and I brought a little kid in, and I said, here's the deal, man. I just want to give you this candy bar. Just want to bless you with this candy bar. And I give it to him. And the next thing I do is try to beat him up. How many think that would be very good? It wouldn't be very good. It was almost like they're getting set up. Hold on. Does everybody understand? It would almost be like a setup. God's not trying to set you up for failure. God's trying to set us up for victory. Amen. And so what we have to understand is when a blessing comes into our life, when, when, when a blessing comes in, that we don't have to worry about what the enemy is going to do because God already has a plan. The devil will get more aggressive. And we've come to the place, Dylan and I have been around for a little bit, and, and, and Pastor Chad, and, and, and they've... they've you know, we've hung out a little bit as far as understanding how we flow in service. And, and I can make a couple eye movements and, and raise my eyebrows and, and kind of be like, hey. And, and, and they can raise their eyebrows back and I kind of understand what they're saying. You say, why is that? Because we've spent more time together and the closer we get together, the more we know. And so here's what I want to tell you this morning. You may feel like you're looking at God saying, hey, God, what's about to happen? And God looks at you and goes, don't worry about it, I got you. All he's got to do is give you a look. And so when the devil becomes more aggressive, we have to understand God's not sitting up in heaven going, oh my goodness, the devil's after him again. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? But rather, God is planning your victory celebration. Because he's already got a plan for your victory. Listen, there has never been a fight that the enemy has brought into your life that God has not got a plan for your victory to come out of it better than what you did when you went into it. Mm. Somebody say amen. The fact that the enemy is chasing hard after you is a sign that he is afraid of your future. Some of you say, oh, I don't even have a future. I said the fact that the enemy is on your tail and chasing you is a sign that he's afraid of your future. I get concerned when the devil doesn't try to get at me. I get concerned when the devil doesn't try to get me off track. You say, well, why, pastor? Listen, you don't fight things you already have. The devil doesn't have to fight me if he's already got me. So understand that there is a reason this morning there's a testing going on in your family. There's a reason this morning there's a testing going on in your marriage. There's a reason this morning that there's a test going on in your life because he knows that your future is greater than your past. And he's trying to do everything he can to stop you from reaching your potential that God has for you. He understands that if you can get past this place, 
that was supposed to trip you up, that was supposed to stop you, if you can get past this place, that there is blessings on the other side of this thing, and his desire is to stop you from reaching it. New levels, new devils. New levels, new devils. But my God, according to his word, said that he is the Head over, in charge, responsible, has more power than every ruler and every authority that is on the face of this earth, in heaven and in earth. There's power in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, there's still power. There's still power in the name of Jesus. Remember the song? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. I want you to understand this morning, there's power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The Word says that demons tremble, that devils flee, all at the name of Jesus. Look at your neighbor say, there's power in the name of Jesus. New levels, new devils, same name that has power. I said new levels, new devils, but his name still has power. Some of you are getting it this morning. In the corner of the game of Pac-Man, there's these large flashing dots. These dots are called power pellets. Power pellets. And when Pac-Man eats one of them bad boys, he goes to chasing after the ghost to get some points. Before the power pellet, though, the ghost could chase him and they would get him and they'd take his game life. The third point this morning is this. We need the power. Look at your name and say, you need the power. You need the power. What is the power pellet in our Christian walk? It is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is the power of the Spirit that allows us to do the things that we are unable to do within ourselves. The Holy Spirit will give us thoughts, will give us ideas, will give us giftings that we didn't even know that we had, that we didn't learn, that we didn't understand. And for those things that we are gifted in, those things that we do have abilities in, it will enhance those abilities. The Holy Spirit. I remember, get you back there. I remember there was an older lady in our church. And I say older because I was young, not because she was old, because what I found is the older I get, the younger some of the old things looked. I remember when I heard 60, and I thought, oh, Lord, they're going to circle the grave. Now I'm like, oh, 60 ain't bad. It's a new 50. And, but there was a lady in the church, and, and um, this lady could not play the piano a bit. Very much like me. Couldn't play the piano a bit. If you said, hey, sis, can you play Mary Had a Little Lamb? She would say, yep, bing, that's it. She can play one key. She couldn't play anything. She couldn't play it. But there were services where the Spirit of God began to move. And the Spirit of God would lead her. And she would get herself up. She was older. She'd get herself up. And she'd get up on the piano. Or she'd go over to the piano where the preacher or pastor was at. And she'd kind of give him a little, whoop, little, little nudge. And he knew after the first time, because here's what happened. Whoop, she nudged him. 
Now I'm talking about services where piano and everything, everybody's moving and going, and, and she nudges him off the keyboard. Now I just told you she can't play piano. She went over there with her hands straight out like this and start hitting those keys. And if you're looking at it, you're going, uh-oh, that ain't going to sound good. But what came through that piano, what came through that speaker sounded like she was a classically trained pianist. Why? Because the Spirit of God empowered her to do what she could not do. Listen to me. I want you to, I want you to understand this morning. Speaking in tongues and, and running and shouting in services, all of that is great. And yes, that's, that is things that happen. And those are things and benefits that happen in a service. But that is not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's not the purpose. I remember thinking as I was young growing up that if people weren't running and shouting and if, if, if people weren't, weren't going crazy that we didn't have a good service, that was dumb on my part because the Holy Spirit touches lives in so many ways and we relegate it to who came to the altar and who raised their hand and who spoke in tongues. That's not what it's about. The Holy Spirit in our daily lives, the purpose is to help us not fear what the enemy is trying to do, but rather go on the offense instead of the defense. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's to give us power. Somebody say power. In Pac-Man, the power pellet went from you running after the ghost, or running from the ghost to running after the ghost. This morning, I believe it's time for some people that are following Jesus to stop running from the devil. Stop playing the game. If you don't bother me, I'm not going to bother you. But rather it's time to start chasing after the devil out of your homes, chasing him out of your families, chasing him out of your communities, chasing him out of your cities. This will not happen until we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We need the power of the Spirit daily. In our lives. How, has anybody ever seen. Anybody ever seen someone's dog take them for a walk? Yeah. I was going to put a picture up. We used to have a dog. His name was Prince. Prince was a, a Doe de Bordeaux or a French Mastiff. And if you've seen the show Turner and Hooch before. That's what he was. He had big old jaws. Slobber all over the place. About 125 pounds. And we got him because he was a very protective dog, and I was traveling a lot at the time. And Allie was scared of him. My youngest, she was scared of him. Tori just looked at him, and I think her, her stare scared him. Still works today. Does it for Dylan. Yes, ma'am, is what he says. And, and so my wife would have to take Prince for a walk. Or, should I say, Prince should have to take my wife for a walk. And they would walk in our neighborhood. We live in a cul-de-sac at the time. And, 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 and she would start the walk. And there he would go. And I wouldn't say he would drag her. But the neighbors would look at her and go, are you okay? Now, ultimately what had happened is Trent, Prince wasn't really trained to walk right. Right? 
But I'll promise you, there were times when I happened to be coming home and I would see Prince out taking my wife for a walk. And inside, I laughed a little bit. Because I was like, that's not the way it's supposed to work. It's working backwards. Can I tell you that's what God is doing in our lives? Because when the devil is taking us for a walk, instead of us putting him on a leash and saying, listen, but I'm not going to follow you. You're going to listen to what I tell you to do. God's plan is that we have authority over the enemy, and he's laughing at us because we're not using it. We have the power over the enemy through the power of Christ in our lives. In the game of Pac-Man, believe it or not, we're at the fourth point this morning. We're landing the plane. Some of you go, we're in a flight? No. But in the game of Pac-Man, there were spots on the side. And if you went in this one side, you come out on the other side. And if you went in this side, you come back out on that side. Now, I don't know how they did it. I have no idea how they did it. But you would be chased after the devil, or the ghost, sorry. Be chased after the ghost. You go through that side, and you come out on the other side. They can't go through there. They couldn't get through that access hole, that point of entry. They couldn't get in. And so this morning, my last point is this. You are about to come out on the other side. You're about to come out on the other side. Some of you have been fighting and doing and going, and you feel like nothing is happening. But you're about to come out on the other side. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you look at the game, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what made it go. Just the designer of the game created it to work that way. I said the designer of the game created it to work that way. And the designer in your life created this moment for you to come out on the other side. And you're going to say, I don't know how it happened. All you got to say is God did it. All you got to say is God did it. Hear me. The children of Israel, when they faced the Red Sea, and I want to go in the whole story, but the army is chasing them. God opens up the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea when, when uh, Moses lifts up his rod. And you say, well, well, they can answer how God did it. They say the waves rolled back. How did God do it, though? Well, he, he wa- made the waves go back. He made the water go back. How did it happen? I don't know. But God did it. I said, God did it. And this morning, I want you to understand, you're about to come out on the other side of the thing that you're fighting right now. And all you're going to be able to say is, I don't know, God did it. I don't know, that doesn't excite you this morning, but it excites me today. Because you're going to find yourself, because of your faithfulness in the fight, that on the other side of this test, that someone looks at you and says, how did you make it through? All you can say is, God did it. God did it. Say, well, pastor, I feel like I'm running a lot. You're going to come out on the other side. And not only are you coming out on the other side, but where you were almost caught by the enemy, 
you no longer are worrying about the enemy when you come to the other side. You say, well, pastor, I don't understand. I I don't understand why this is happening and why that is happening. I'm here to tell you the designer of your game, the designer of your life, has created a situation in your life today so that you can go through the thing and become better on the other side. We, God will never bring us to or through anything that we will not be better from going through it. Come on, I'm going to close. This morning, I believe with everything in me that somebody is about to come out on the other side. Somebody's about ready to come out on the other side. And you say, well, well, I, I just don't see it, Pastor. I don't see it either. And I don't know how it's going to happen. All I'm going to tell you is God did it. I said God did it. God did it. You say, well, I, I'm going to be Christ-centered. I'm going to be Christ-centered. And I understand the devils are coming and there's new levels and there's new devils. I understand and I'm going to live in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all that's good and I can do all that. But I just don't feel like I'm coming out on the other side. It doesn't matter how you feel. Your feelings are going to wreck you. I said your feelings are going to wreck you. I do not go by how I feel. I go by and I trust the Word of God. I trust that the God that put the game plan in place is going to know what He's doing. I'm trusting Him today because He designed this thing. If you don't like me, blame Him. He created me. And as much as you believe he created me, he created you. He created this moment. This moment for you to come out on the other side. I'm telling you today, I feel that so strongly. Some of you are about ready to come out on the other side of this thing that you've been fighting. You're about ready to come out of this thing that you feel like you've been in for a long, long time. And the best part is, When you come out, I don't know what happens when Pac-Man goes behind the screen. I just know he gets on the other side. This morning, you're going to get to the other side, and you're going to be different than when you went in that side. Stand all over the house this morning. Christ-centered. Christ-centered. New levels new devils we need the power we need the power and you're about to come out on the other side say well pastor I I don't know if any of that got to me today ask the Holy Spirit today am I Christ centered because if we're not centered in Christ We're not able to receive what he has for us. God, help me be Christ-centered. 
I'm fighting devils that I've never fought before. That's because you're going to a level that you've never been before. I'm going to say this. There's some of you that wonder why you stay plateaued in your walk with Christ. It's because you stop fighting because the devils get hard when you continue to grow. And so you're just stagnated where you're at. But God would say today, the new devils mean new levels and you get closer to Him. So fight the fight as you can through the Spirit of God. New levels, new devils need the power coming out on the other side. In this house this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed if you would. I believe what seems like such a simple message. God is going to do extraordinary things with an ordinary message. Because it is not my words, it's through Him. The Holy Spirit is doing a work in this place. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, I need to get Christ-centered. Pastor, I need to be Christ-centered. Pastor, these devils I'm fighting, I don't know if I can handle them anymore. I don't know. I'm telling you there's power in the name of Jesus today. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I just need to come out on the other side of this thing. If you're in this house, just do me a favor. Just slip up your hand if anything has touched you in this place today through the Spirit. type of prayer today because this is a situation that you have to talk to God yourself don't repeat after me something that you may not mean but talk to God he knows you today some of you may feel like coming to this altar some of you may feel like praying where you're at some of you may feel like standing and praying some of you may feel like coming and kneeling I don't know what God's calling you to do today but he's calling us to be Christ-centered. He's calling us to handle the devil on the new levels that we're at. He is calling us to live in the power of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, somebody's coming out on the other side today. If you're in this house, they're going to sing. And I want you to pray. These altars are open. Your seat is open. You want somebody to pray with you? Come, I'll pray with you this morning. Step out from where you're at. I'll pray with you this morning. Grab somebody's hand beside you. They'll come with you. Come on, sing. Well, I know the battle. I know the battle. I know the battle. The battle is yours. The battle.